Let's turn to the scriptures, please. We're going to lift out two verses. Psalm 130. And while you're looking that up in your car, um, I'm going to get a drink. Psalm 130. We're going to read verses 3 and 4. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayst be feared. I think we'll read it again. Verse 3. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayst be be feared. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Eternal Father, again we ask you that you would speak to hearts this evening. We thank you for everyone you've brought and placed in their heart the will and the desire to be here this evening. Lord, for one reason or another, they have found themselves here. Lord, even when others have maybe made the day off it with the lovely weather, we thank you, Lord, that you've brought them here this evening, to support the work. And Father, not only that, but to, uh, Lord, support the gospel in our land. And we thank you, Father, at this time, Lord, they've even shared the gospel with others, maybe brought someone along with them. We pray that your word would have a free course this evening and that your Holy Spirit, he would speak to men and women or to young or to older alike. To the glory of thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, this night be over. While there's been the singing of songs of Zion. Or the soloth singing. And the songs of the cross of Calvary. The reading of thy word. And the expounding thereof. We, Whatever it may be, Lord, would you use it all to the glory of thy name. And Father, we ask it all for Jesus' sake. Amen. The psalmist here in Psalm 130 says, If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Or in other words, Lord, if you were to mark, the idea to mark is to build up, to keep, and to count. That if the Lord God was to build up, to keep, and to account, for all of our iniquities, mine, yours, and everyone's alike, coming to the great day when we'll stand before him. He says, O Lord, who shall stand? And what he's saying here is there's not one of us who would be able to stand on their own merit. Not one of us would be able to stand before God. Notice what he says here in verse 3. If I... Lord, addresses the living God. The word for Lord here is Yah. If thou, Yah. Or that is the shortened version for what we would know as Jehovah or Yahweh. And he's saying, if thou, Yahweh. Yahweh is the covenant uh, keeping God. In other words, he's God who comes down and makes a covenant promise with Adam after his fall in the Garden of Eden when he sinned. 
He comes and walks with Adam and the, uh, the unity between Adam and God is broken because of Adam's sin and disobedience to the word. But it says, and God made, and God made, and God made. But when it comes to Adam, it says, and the Lord God. Read it for yourself. The whole of chapter 1 is, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, and God said. The word God is Elohim. It is singular, yet plural. And here, Elohim makes, and Elohim calls out the light, and Elohim calls the land to divide, and Elohim tells the waters to come forth, and Elohim creates the animals. Elohim. But when it comes to Adam man, it says, and the Lord God, it means Yahweh or Jehovah Elohim. God becomes personal with the man in the garden. God becomes personal and walks with him. And that unity, that oneness with man is broken when Adam rebels against the word of God. And of course, Adam's rebellion brings forth death. And death is now passed on to each and every one of us. The only way to reconcile us back to God was for that same God, Yahweh, in his covenant-keeping mercy, he comes and promises a redeemer. He comes and promises one that would break or crush the serpent's head. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the Lord Jesus Christ before he becomes flesh at Bethlehem. And so here the psalmist now throughout the years, the psalmist he is crying out, and he says in verse 3, If thou, Lord, if thou, Yahweh, we could say if thou, Jesus, should mark iniquities. Notice what he says, O Lord, who shall stand? He changes the wording here. He changes the emphasis here. For he calls, but thy Lord, Yahweh. Then he says, who shall stand? But he cries, O Lord. And the word Lord changes from Yahweh to Adonai. Yahweh, he says, if you were to count my sins, Oh, Yahweh, if you were to mark mine iniquities. Yahweh, if you were to take account and I was to stand before you. Oh, Lord, oh, Adonai. Gives the idea of the supreme controller. And the word Don, Adonai, gives the idea of the judge. Of the judge. And it's in line here with him saying, who could stand in judgment? Who would be able to stand when faced with you? When we're in our sins, our goodness, our good works, our own merit, our denominationalism, our institutionalism, whatever we may add to that, none of it comes up to the mark where you and I could stand before Almighty God. He cries, covenant-keeping Jesus. If it's not for you, then I'm lost. 
when I stand before you in the place of judgment. That's what he's saying here. All before Bethlehem. You see, friend, people like to think of Jesus. Gentle Jesus, he's meek and mild. They like to think of Jesus almost as an effeminate uh, type of person who stands in a picture with his hands together, firmly clasped as though he is very gentle and meek and mild. And in every way, he is gentle and he is meek and he is mild. And he's good, and he's gracious, and he's kind, and he's long-suffering. He's all of that, and he's so much more. Because, friend, all we hear is, God is love. And the scripture tells us one of the attributes of God, that which is attributed to God, is love. But I want to tell you, love is not all that God is. Love is not all that God is. And love is not all where God stands in. Here we find people like to think of a Jesus who will accept everyone and anyone coming as they are, just in their sin, without repentance, without trusting in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus at Calvary's tree. They think they'll live their life the way they want to. They think they'll live in the sin that they want to live in. And they like to think that they'll live and they'll get to an old age and at a last moment this wonderful gentle Jesus will take them into some sort of heavenly stairway as the light calls them up to streets that are paved with gold and there they have pearly gates and there we have the foundations made and the gates with the names of the apostles and the prophets on them and all is wonderful and all is well and sure life was good to me and life was great and I lived it up how I desired and how I liked it to be so. And yet I'll still be accepted into heaven's courts. Friend, I can tell you the scriptures tell us something completely different. People are watching too much movies about heaven and what it's meant to be like. They're reading too many fairy tale stories and books. And who's going to be there? I'll tell you, it's not that good people go to heaven and it's not that bad people go to hell. That's not what the scriptures tell us. It tells us saved people go to heaven. Saved people go to heaven. And the unsaved, the ungodly, will be turned into hell. That's what the scriptures teach us. He is gentle Jesus in the sense he is beautiful. That in the sense that he's the good shepherd who giveth his life for the sheep. In the sense that he's wonderful. In the sense that he is absolutely beyond comprehension. He's all of those things. But to the Christ rejecter, because they turned him away, and they turned away his cross work, they turned away his finished work, they turned away the blood to live their own lives, 
They turned the Christ of God. They turned away the Son of God. They turned away the Lamb of God. They turned away the Darling of God. They turned Him away to live their lives as they deemed and as they saw it fit to do, thinking that, yes, He is just this Yahweh or Jesus, the covenant-promising One. And that's true, friend, but He came and He made a covenant. It's the blood of the everlasting covenant. It's the blood which flowed from His personal veins for you to be saved, for you to be forgiven, and for you to be blood-washed. And the Christ-rejector will find he's more than us, the psalmist says in Psalm 130 and verse 3. If thy Lord shouldest mark iniquities, if you were to mark my sin, my transgressions, my godlessness and ungodliness. He says, if you mark it, he says, O Lord, O my judge. That's what he's saying. Almighty Jesus is the almighty God who is the almighty judge of all men and women. O Lord, Who shall stand? Who shall stand? The wonderful thing about this little verse is this. The wonderful thing that the the prophet or the psalmist proclaims through this. Listen. He says, first of all, if thy Lord shouldest mark iniquities. Then he cries, oh, notice the sound of it. The O Lord. There's a passion with it. There's a change of tone in it. And this is what it means. He has seen the holiness of God. He has seen the holiness of the Lord. He has realized The holiness of Adonai the judge. And oh, he has realized beforehand the unworthiness of himself. The problem is that people don't realize their unworthiness and they think we're all worthy of God's kingdom. They think we're all worthy of God's glory. We're all worthy of God's Perfect heaven. And if that be so, friend, then you and I to be there without the blood of Christ, without yielding ourselves to proclaim Him as Savior and as Lord and as King. And if it be so that He will allow us in unworthy and imperfect then two things I must say to you tonight. One, heaven becomes imperfect because we're there. And two, then the Father 
the father must apologize to the devil. I want you to think about this. If God lets a man in, in his sin, a woman in, in her sin, into his kingdom, then one, that perfect kingdom will become imperfect because the imperfections of the man and woman are there. And two, God will then have to apologize and allow a re-entry into heaven of Satan himself because it was his sin that God put him out. He'll have to apologize to Adam because he put Adam out of the garden because of his sin. It says, And the Lord God drove the man out of Eden. He drove him out. Yes, that God you think will let you into glory without repentance from your sin, without trusting in the blood of Christ. He drove Adam out. Before he drove the devil out of heaven. And you can be as sure as you're sitting in your seat in your car this evening, friend. He will not allow you in. Without you being perfect in Christ. Without you being perfect. By trusting in the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. There was an old Puritan once said, If man, the best man's sins were written upon his forehead, it would make him pull his hat down over his eyes. If the best man's sins were written on his forehead, it would make him pull his hat down over his eyes. And friend, I'll tell you, there's going to be a day when we stand before God and there are those who are in Christ and they will stand before him as the great covenant-making and covenant-keeping Savior God. The one who loved them and gave himself for them. And they have trusted in Christ for their salvation and for the forgiveness of their sin. And then there will be those who will stand at the great white throne judgment seat of God. There the judge will read out of the books. John writes in Revelation 20. And I saw a great white throne in him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. Listen, there was found no place for them. And I saw the books opened, he says. And he starts talking about seeing all men gathered together, even those who were lost at sea thousands of years ago, who had become fish food, who had went into the ecosystem and were forgotten about in time, but God had remembered. 
It says, And the sea gave up their dead that were in them. And death and hell, or death and the grave, gave up the dead that were in them. And they stood before the holy God. How would you stand tonight, friend, if it was you? How would you fare tonight if it was you? Sir, lady, friend, how would you do? Would you be like this psalmist? If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Listen, friend, I admit that I was the chiefest of sinners. But I repented of my sins when I found myself by faith at the foot of the old rugged cross. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains, a hymn writer could say. And friend, I found that place Drawn by the Spirit of God. Brought to the feet of Christ. And there I seen my marked iniquities upon me. The chiefest of sinners. And there in a glimpse I could behold the Lamb of God who bore away my sin in his own body on the tree, that me, being dead to sin, might live on the righteousness. And by his stripes on the cross, I was healed. Friend, where would you find yourself this evening? Young person, where would you find yourself tonight? Would you find yourself at the foot of the cross before it's too late? Or will you wait and maybe never get another opportunity to find yourself at the foot of the cross again? Oh, the scriptures tell us today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Harden not your heart this moment. To harden not your heart this very minute, nor this evening. For thou knowest not what a day might bring forth. We may not be promised our next heartbeat, nor breath in our lungs. We might find ourselves lost for all eternity. Dead in our sin. To stand before the great white throne of God. Notice the psalmist catches a glimpse. Catches a glimpse of himself. Mine iniquities. I cannot cleanse myself. Cannot purify myself. I cannot purge myself and so according to my own strength and my own abilities I could never save myself. 
It's the total depravity of human nature that we have inherited from Adam. You cannot save yourself. Sure, you can't even think of God without the Spirit of God. But here, the psalmist sees himself. But thy Lord, if thou shouldest mark iniquities, then he catches a glimpse of the holiness of God. Understand? The holiness of God. God is holy. Humanity is depravity. They may be people who are classed among people as more attractive than others. They may try to help one another a long way, making ourselves presentable. And friend, I can tell you, you may even go to the gym. Body exercise will profit a little. But I can tell you this, that flesh you try to cover with the war paint, that flesh that oozes the odor that we perfume it to keep it down and wash it away with, comes back again and again and again. For even God said to Adam, in the sweat of thy brow shalt thou eat thy bread. From the fall, it's depravity. But God, He is holy. And our rotten, filthy, stinking flesh is dying. It's dying, friend. But the person inside the real you, the real man, the real woman, will go on to stand before God. The flesh speaks of nothing but impurity and death. The dead spirit before God will sin with importunity, using our fingers, using our arms, using our legs, using our mouth, using our eye gate and our ear gate to satisfy the flesh and to poison the spirit with sin. And all the while, God is holy. The angels, the seraphim with the six wings, Isaiah said he saw them in Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. It was high and lifted up, and above it stood the seraphim, each having six wings. And with twain he covers his face, and with twain they cover their feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth 
is full of his glory. God is holy. And we are depravity. Dead to God. But I'll tell you friend. If the Holy Ghost speaks to the heart. Right now. Then it's God coming. To call you unto salvation. And today. If you hear his voice. Harden not your heart. The psalmist catches a glimpse of the holiness of God. I think, Christian, we need to take note. Every one of us, this man too, all of us need to take note. Somehow at times we let go of the thoughts of the holiness of God. We forget the holiness of God. And he says, be ye holy, for I am holy. Oh, thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. Matchless grace. Abundant grace. Abounding grace. Sovereign grace. Thank God. For his loving kindness is better than life. And friend, tonight he's brought you in his loving kindness to reach you. Ere you leave this place. And this be the last time the Spirit may speak to you. I finish with this. I feel the Holy Spirit is speaking. Experience, hear a hush among, even in the cars, you can feel it. It's the Holy Ghost, friend. He is moving in the midst. He's speaking to hearts. Verse 4 of Psalm 130, he says, Oh, listen, friend, in relevance and continuance of what has just been said, His Holiness. He glimpses it. So he says, But Lord, if thou shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? Verse 4. But there is forgiveness with thee. But there is forgiveness with thee. Thank God we find forgiveness and redemption Through the blood of his son. Thank God we can come to the cross. And be forgiven this night. Of your sin. But there is forgiveness with thee. That thou mayest be feared. There's something else as we close this. People forgot about the fear of the Lord. People forgot that he is holy. That he is the almighty. That he is omnipotent. That he is omniscient. That he sees all. And that he is omnipresent. That he's everywhere. At once. Thank God he can be for he's here tonight. He's here this evening. 
but there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared, reverenced, respected. May God bless his word to us this evening. May God bless his word to every heart, even to the Christian. May you be strengthened at the sound of the gospel, the sound of the word of God, because this word is a lamp unto our feet and is a light unto our path. God speaking tonight. I believe God's speaking to Christians tonight. I believe God's speaking to young people tonight, older people tonight. This evening, it's a beautiful evening, but God's brought you here and God is speaking. So I'll be standing at the corner. Don't go. Oh, you can go home, but you'll not get far. He'll continue to speak with you. Continue to speak to you. And come and see us. We'd love to tell you more about the Savior if you're concerned for your soul. May God bless you this evening. For Jesus' sake.